0: A very good morning to you, CBC family, and um, many of you that are also watching um, online on our Facebook page. I just want to wish you as well a Happy New Year. Uh, May um, God um, grant you a heart that will truly trust in Him um, as we look ahead at the year 2021. Um we are uncertain of what is to come. We have no ability to tell um, what the year holds for us, um, but what we can be sure about and what we can uh be confident um in, and this is the fact that God is sovereign and all our plans um are in his hands, and so we plan uh, knowing that God is the one to um bring our plans to fruition and um as as even as we uh were caught uh, by surprise um once again as the president um announced that for the next coming two weeks meaning this sunday and the uh, following sunday after this one we won't be able to meet physically as a church, but we are grateful um, that God has given us um, these resources to be able to, um, um, you know, still preach the word and have the word go out um, uh, to as many as possible. So please pray that this will, um, you know, be used by God to reach as many as possible for Christ. This morning, I want us to look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to verse 15, and the title of our sermon is Walking in Jesus or Resolved to Walk in Jesus. Let us draw near to the Lord in prayer as we commit the word this morning. dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we want to draw near to you. We want to come before you and commit this time into your hands. We are thankful, Lord, that we have you as our Father, the one who holds everything by the power of his word, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. You remain God, you're majestic, you're in control. We trust in you. Oh God, therefore, we know that we cannot be disappointed. Even as we draw near to you this morning to hear your word, we pray that you will transform our minds. Um, You will draw us to yourself. You will ignite our hearts with a passion and a desire to love you more. And our will will be conformed to your will, seeking nothing but your will, consumed by nothing but your will. May you be glorified in all things. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In light of the new year, um, I want us to focus on an important text to give us direction for our resolutions. Our passage gives us a path for how God longs to see our church, our church body, as CBC resolved in 2021. I'm very thankful to be serving with CBC. And one of the reasons for that is how CBC is so clear on the gospel. We, we are so clear on the simple message that Paul will describe in five simple words in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15. Three, when he says Christ died for our sins. Or again, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or as Tim Keller says, salvation is not achieved, but received. Meaning that we don't achieve forgiveness of sins through our good deeds, but we receive it as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. Or as the hymn says the, the hymn I stand amazed it says it it says Jesus took my sins and my sorrows Jesus made them his very own Jesus bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me but oftentimes, a lot of people wonder in our church body, why don't we ever seem to move on from the gospel? Or you might also be wondering as you're listening to this or watching this. Some feel like they have heard many times the ABCs of the gospel and want to move on to the D, to the D and the Z. And maybe you consider yourself an atheist as well, and um, you're watching this because you are bored, or you're listening to this because you are bored. And you remember as a child the instruction the local church gave and the community it provided. Perhaps you're thinking, I'd really like to be reminded and encouraged toward ethical living. I I don't really care to hear the gospel message at all too much. Why is it critical to always come back to the gospel message? Why is it important to emphasize the gospel message? I'd like, I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles and to, to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6-15. to 15. As you hear God's word this morning, be praying in your mind and ask God, What do I need to hear? God, opened both my ears and my heart. But before we read the text, let's look at the context of the letter to the church of Colossus. We find chapter 2, verse 6 to 15, surrounded by two sections that pick up the theme of spiritual growth in the previous section in chapter 1 verse 8 paul says that jesus is proclaimed in order to present everyone mature in christ in chapter 1 we see paul's heart for the church is to grow up in the faith also in the section following chapter 2 verse 6 to 15 paul wants against religious rules and, and and new beliefs apart from jesus Paul says in chapter 2 verse 23 that they only have the appearance of wisdom. Uh, Paul's desire is that the church grow spiritually. Here in the middle in the middle Paul gives us the key for true spiritual growth. Here's the structure we will see as we look deeper at our text at our text. First we will see two resolutions a positive command to walk in Jesus in verses 6 to verse 7 and a negative command against Jesus's Jesus alternatives in verse 8 and finally we'll see three reasons we should be resolved in looking to Christ alone in verses 9 to verse 15 let's take a look colossians chapter 2 verse 6 to 15 let's read from God's word, I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read God's word, starting with verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And you have been filled in him who is the head of of, of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of God. Now let us look at the first resolution that we spoke about. Live in Jesus daily. This we see in verses 6 to verse 7. In verse 6 to verse 7, we see our first resolution. Paul commands us to live in Jesus daily. This command is the key to growing and maturing in him. He says, walk in him now the question is, who is him that Paul is referring to here? From the letter, we see that it is Jesus who is both God and Savior. It is Jesus who is both Lord and rescuer from sins. For for those of you interested in linguistics, the command "walk" here is in, is, is a present imperative. This means it is it is a continuous and an ongoing command. Trusting Jesus is meant to be more than just the first step. We we should take every step in the strength of our creator who laid down his life for us. Every move should depend on our crucified Lord. We we should labor relying on King Jesus. You see, the, the gospel isn't the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the A to Z of Christianity. The point is not to go past the gospel, but to go deeper into the gospel. Paul also reaffirms again and again that our growth is found in Jesus. The words in him or with him hold our passage together. In him or with him are used nine times in our passage. This is what theologians refer to as our union with Christ. And it's key to to spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. When you believe in Jesus, you are united with Him in an unseen spiritual way. For 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 believers, this means that when 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 God sees you, he, He sees Jesus and not your sin. Imagine if you could say that you are you've never sinned, you've only treated others perfectly. Any suffering, any suffering you've experienced was unjust. You, you, you've never lied. You've never stolen. You've never cheated. You, you, you've never wronged anyone. But the gospel says that you are in him. Jesus' perfection has been credited to you. Your spiritual record says spotless life because of Jesus. Now, why is walking... In Christ alone, the key to spiritual growth? Why is the gospel the key to maturity? When the author of Pilgrim Progress, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, was uh, in prison, he was opposed in telling his Christian friends of God's unwavering love. He, his critics said if you keep assuring people of God's love, they will do whatever they want. To which Bunyan replied if i assure god's people of jesus's love then they will do whatever jesus wants you see the key to growing in character is found in the gospel grace roots us in godliness that the cross builds us in obedience when you experience christ's love you you love others When you see Christ's humility, you humble yourself. When you are served uh, by Jesus' death, you serve others and those who are in need. When you receive Jesus' generosity, you give freely from what you have have to further God's mission. When, when, When the pursuing love of God wins you, you pursue the obnoxious neighbor in evangelism. Where, when Jesus' sacrifice cleanses you, you sacrifice your time, talent, and treasure for the church and the mission of God. And this grace growth that you experience is God's work in you. You see, in verse 7, where Paul uses four descriptions of what happens when we walk in Jesus what's important to note about the first three of these verbs is that they are all passive verbs meaning that the subject you is receiving the action uh, th- this means that god is do- doing these things to you god is ultimately rooting you building you up and establishing you your responsibility is to believe the gospel but god roots you in the gospel your, your responsibility is to turn from sin but god estab- ultimately establishes you in godliness your responsibility is to trust god in every circumstance but god ultimately builds uh built you up in the faith you are responsible to act but it is not your effort that is the last word it is god's effort He undertakes the growth he wants to see in you. And God's work in you moves you to abound in thanksgiving. God's building you up leads you to praise. God's rooting you in him pushes you to heart and life of worship. I want to encourage you, CBC the CBC family, and I want to encourage you as a believer, let's be resolved to walk in Jesus in 2021. Not only should we be resolved to walk in Jesus, but secondly, we should resolve to guard against empty alternatives. This is verse 8. Guard against empty alternatives. Uh, that brings us to our second resolution in verse 8. Paul warns us and says that we should guard against empty alternatives. Paul warns that we, we can be taken captive. When you read the word captive here, think of the barbarians that sacked Rome and took captives, took the people as slaves. Think of terrible men coming into a village to steal men women and children, and this being captive, this being taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit, you should imagine the word philosophy in quotes here. Because this is this is not actual wisdom that we're talking about. Think of the fruit that Satan offered to make one wise in Genesis chapter 3, the, the fruit that had the appearance of wisdom, but only led to death. Also, Paul describes these things drawing the church away from Jesus as empty. Think of walking through a forest and stepping on a log only to find that it's hollow and your food crushes through. They were adding something empty to the free grace of the gospel or they were being distracted by new empty spiritual truths that are not rooted in Jesus. Later on in chapter two, we see that is the church's buying, is the church buying into Jesus plus worship of angels, or it's Jesus plus new rules, or it's Jesus plus new secret knowledge. But Paul insists that it's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. Let that sink in. Think deeply about that. It is Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. It's important to recognize that empty alternatives are tempting. They are truly tempting. Uh, What are some uh, philosophies that CBC might be prone to? How does Satan deceive us away from Jesus? Let me give you two. I, I think one example is solo Christianity. Solo Christianity. You see, solo Christianity is Jesus plus individualism. This is people who say, I like Jesus, but I'm also adding and declaring my independence from his church. Solo Christianity says, My faith is a personal faith. I I can love Jesus on my own. I, I don't need to show up to church to love Jesus. I can worship Jesus all by myself. Like Paul says, It sounds like good philosophy. Solo Christianity seems to have the appearance of wisdom, but it's ultimately hollow and deceitful. It's the isolated animal that gets eaten by the lion, and it's the isolated Christian who neglects their faith. It's the lone Christian that is rendered ineffective by Satan. Friends, it takes community to learn about opportunities to serve those in need in the body. But Satan wants to destroy your opportunities to serve. It takes relationships to have people hold you accountable for sin. And it takes relationships where others can speak the truth in love to you. But Satan wants to rob you of that uh, accountability and encouragement. It takes Christian friends to have someone confess sin to you. And it takes Christian brothers and sisters to have accountability. But again, Satan wants to steal the opportunity to have the body of Christ grow you. I like saying that. There's no way in the Bible where we see a Christian without having committed to the local church. There's no way. Another alternative that is prone to take us captive is the buffet God. This Jesus plus my own ideas who uh, this is jesus plus my own ideas of who god really is or jesus plus other faiths that can lead to god you are picking and choosing on this spiritual buffet who your god is perhaps you say he or she is a god of love Your God affirms all lifestyles. Your God takes everyone to heaven. Your God loves all religions. But ultimately, the buffet God is empty. First, you'll never find true spiritual community. No one will cherry-pick the attributes you want in God. No one will want to worship your buffet God. Secondly, this buffet God can't give you hope. You, you, you just made this buffet God up. This buffet God is a figment of your imagination. The buffet God can't save you. But Jesus gives a certain hope. Jesus did miracles, showing himself to be God. Jesus taught, unlike any other, demonstrating his deity. Jesus anticipated his crucifixion, putting his divinity on display. Jesus rose from the dead, showing he is the author of life. Jesus ascended into heaven where he is reigning and ruling. Why would we look to the alternative buffet God? Why would we want to create a God in our imagination to replace a God who created us in his own image? Let I me mean, encourage you once again. Let me exhort you, CBC. Let's be resolved to guard against empty alternatives of, to Jesus in 2021. And now Paul pushes us to look to Jesus alone. In verses 9 to verse 15, he gives us three reasons Jesus is greater than alternatives. The first reason Jesus is greater than any alternatives is because Jesus is fully God. In verse 9 he says that in Jesus the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This isn't the first time in our section uh, Paul reminds us that Jesus is fully God. We we, we read in verse 6, therefore Jesus Christ the Lord This pointed us back to what we've already seen about Jesus in this letter. In chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, we see that that the man Jesus Christ perfectly reflects God, and that Jesus has the same authority as God. Jesus created all things jesus sustains everything jesus is in charge of the church ultimately in these verses we see we see that jesus is fully god so again why would we look anywhere other than god for spiritual growth The second reason Paul says Jesus is greater than alternatives is that Jesus removes our deadness in sin. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, In him, talking about Jesus, In Jesus also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In the old testament circumcision is an outward sign of belonging to the people of god circumcision is no longer commanded for believers in case some of you men were worried the problem in the old testament is that circumcision was only an outward sign that the person circumcised had no inward trust in god So in scripture, God sometimes says that his people need to circumcise their hearts. A a, a circumcised heart means genuine faith. A, A circumcised heart means relational knowledge of God. Paul is saying here that Jesus circumcises the heart. Jesus removes our inner deadness. You see, because of Jesus, sin is a defeated enemy even if it is a present enemy. Because of Jesus, our deadness is dead. Because of Jesus, our old sinful self is removed. It's a lie that you are spiritually dead and can't help yourself. It's a lie that Satan has control over you and have, and you have to give into sin. It's a lie that you are a slave to sin. This is because Jesus removes our inner deadness. Paul also says that Jesus removes our deadness through our spiritual baptism. Paul describes our spiritual baptism in verse 12 when he says, We were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism here is... Is talking about our spiritual baptism and again what theologians call a union with Christ. But when we trust Jesus, we are spiritually baptized. This spiritual baptism is an unseen reality of dunking into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Paul is pointing to our spiritual baptism to tell us that death is dead this means that when jesus was made alive and rose from the grave we too experienced jesus's defeat of death paul is pointing to our uniting with jesus's resurrection to tell us our sin is conquered so first Jesus is greater than any alternative because he's fully God. Second, Jesus is greater than any alternative because he removes our deadness and sin. And third, Jesus is greater because he makes us alive through forgiveness. Jesus is greater because he makes us alive through forgiveness. Paul says this in verse 13, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Paul says our record of debt is canceled and nailed to the cross now, this is incredibly vivid language here I- imagine for a moment that you are in millions of rents in debt you you have a financial debt you can never ever repay now picture going to the bank right where the loan officer says he has digitally t- digitally erased any evidence of your debt visualize the loan officer pulling out the last piece of physical paper that is evidence of what you owe imagine him placing it in the shredder right in front of you can can you imagine the life you would the the, 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 the life you would feel in receiving freedom from crushing debt you would respond by asking how can I repay you what can I do to thank you command me The unseen spiritual debt we owe God is far greater than that. Our I owe you says we owe God a perfect life and a perfect obedience. This is a debt we can never pay. But Jesus destroys any record of our inability to pay due to sin. We owe perfection and everything and every payment we try to make on our own falls short. But when the reality of our debt being paid in full by Jesus moves from our head to our heart, in genuine faith, we can't help but respond to Jesus by saying, command me. You made me alive. But the unseen spiritual life we experience is far greater than a simple feeling. When Paul says that God made us alive... This is what theologians call the doctrine of regeneration. This is where the Holy Spirit lives in each Christian and takes us from spiritual death to spiritual life. In spiritual death, we we were slaves to sin. In spiritual life, we, we, we have freedom in Jesus. In spiritual death, we were only um, able to, to, to sin. The only thing that we could do was sin. In spiritual life, We are able to obey. What does it look like practically in your life now that Jesus has made you alive? What does it mean that we were spiritually dead, but now are spiritually alive? You you were once dead in your gossip, confessing the sins of those around you, but you are alive. You, You can speak words of encouragement and life. You were once dead in your sins and only saw the poor in your community as those who deserved it. But you are alive. You received an undeserved gift and therefore can extend an undeserved gift to the poor in your community. You were once dead and living only for your hobbies and achievement, but you are alive. You can live selflessly for God and his mission as God selflessly sent his son for you. Paul says that a part of Jesus making us alive is that Jesus has triumphed over Satan. That phrase, rulers and authorities, is a reference to Satan and demons. The the, the word triumph should, should make us think of how in the first century roman generals would celebrate their victories by marching through the 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 the, the streets of rome with their conquered enemies the the the, the victorious army would show off the spoils of war behind them that the conquering general would march their captives behind them in shame that imagery should be going through our mind as we see that jesus triumphed over satan and demons. Charles Spurgeon restates this scripture beautifully when he says this. He says, "What a remarkable picture to behold! All our enemies of Christ, totally disarmed. Satan has left nothing now. Has left nothing now with with which he may attack us. He may tempt. He may attempt to injure us, but wound us he can never. For his sword and spear are utterly taken away." It's not a popular message, is it? But if you aren't a Christian, the truth is, you are spiritually dead and you are under Satan's authority. You need Jesus to rescue you from Satan's power. You may think right now, but Pastor Karabu, it's naive to believe to believe in Satan and demons. But no. You see, it's naive to believe that the only thing behind apartheid was the need for power it's naive to believe that the only thing behind the holocaust was uh, was the need for power as well it's naive to believe that the only thing behind slavery was economics it's naive to think that the only thing behind your secret addiction is self-control it's naive to believe satan and demons don't exist You see, the Christian faith gives us superior resources for understanding both the evil in our world and the evil in our own hearts. Friends, believe in Jesus and be free from Satan's control and power. Trust in Jesus who conquers the devil and be made alive. If you're already a Christian, be resolved to grow deeper in the gospel walking jesus alone for for spiritual growth c.s lewis in the um in one of his books uh, on in the chronicles of nania um the, the book called the voyage of the dawn Treader, paints a beautiful picture describing the need to walk in jesus for spiritual growth there's a scene that starts with eustace a a very unlikable boy um, Eustace finds him, himself in possession of a large fortune and imagines all that he can now enjoy. Then Eustace falls asleep with his treasure. When he awakes, he's no longer a boy, but a dragon. Eustace's inward greed shows itself in his outward scales. The, the gold bracelet Eustace had put on his boy arm, now begins constricting his dragon leg. Eustace's pain is overwhelming, but even worse, Eustace as a dragon feels isolated and begins crying. But King Aslan, the, the lion, arrives. And King Aslan leads the dragon Eustace to a fountain of water. Eustace looks at the well and knows that if he could just get into the water, the pain in his leg would be calmed. But first, Aslan says that Eustace will have to be undressed. Eustace's dragon skin must be removed. Eustace takes his own claws and tears into the dragon skin. He he peels one layer, but finds another layer underneath than another. Then he realizes that he will never get rid of the nasty dragon skin on his own. So King Aslan who represents King Jesus tells Eustace You will have to let me undress you of these dragon scales. Only King King Aslan can remove the dragon skin of Eustace. Eustace is desperate Even his fear of of King Aslan's claws was not enough to stop him from lying on his back, uh, flat on his back. Here's what C.S. Lewis wrote about King Aslan removing Eustace's scales. This is what it says. The the very first tear, this is the testimony of Eustace. the, the, The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurts worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of peeling the stuff, uh, of feeling the stuff peel off. When he peeled the beastly stuff right off, and there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more nobly looking than the others had been. And there was I, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch, and smaller than I had ever been. Then Aslan caught hold of me. I didn't like that much, for I was very tender underneath, now that I would no longer skin on. And Aslan threw me in the water. It hurt like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. It it, it turned into a boy again. I I had turned into a boy again. After a bit, the lion took me out and dressed me in new clothes. Friends, we need the the clothes of King Jesus to remove our deadness of sin. We, we need King Jesus to dress us and gives us, give us life again. The, the, the point is not to move beyond Jesus. The point is to move deeper into Jesus. Our crucified Savior is not the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the A to Z of Christianity. We, we, we need to look to King Jesus to cut deeply and remove our hearts of stone. Uh, Ultimately, spiritual growth is not only found in walking in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only found in walking in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no way we can grow spiritually. There is no way we can mature as Christians outside the gospel of Christ Jesus. May as we look forward to this year with its uncertainties, may our resolve be a resolve to walk in Jesus. May our resolve be a resolve to avoid Jesus' alternatives. May we remember who Jesus is. May we remember what he has done for us. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we want to draw near to you. We thank you for your grace that you continue to be with us and to uphold us and to keep us for yourself as we draw near to you, as we look forward to the rest of the year. Lord, we know that our lives are in your hands, that there is only one life that it will soon pass and that only what's done for Christ will last may our hearts be truly committed to you truly committed to loving and living for you truly committed to the gospel in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we pray